Noom uses the latest and proven behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good. Noom builds personal plans that can meet an individual's needs, takes into account dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs to build a plan that works for you. Through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching, their platform has helped millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. I think a lot of intelligence has gone into the whole Noom system. They really think about how humans live, how they think, what their psychology is, and it's all been used to help people control their weight. So stay focused on what's important to you with the Noom psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's Noom. N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now, wherever books are sold. Sona, how's your sock drawer looking? It's messy. There's a lot of single socks. Yep. I think it's time for a little spring cleaning. Oh. (laughs) Check out Bombas. Once you try a pair, you'll never look at socks the same way again. I should know. I like my Bombas. Their spring collection has new garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. My feet have never been to a party. (laughs) They've got stripes and florals and new vintagey colored rib socks. You know, when I'm wearing Bombas, I feel like my feet are being caressed and cared for in a way they never have been in my life. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash Conan and use code Conan for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Conan and use code Conan at checkout. Hi, my name is Varda Herzog. And I feel a little bit weird about being Conan <laughs> O'Brien's friend because I met him only once and uh-huh. that was in front of cameras. Yes, yes. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are going to be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are going to be Hey there. Welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. I just announced the show. Speaking through uh, Sona's, you were grumbling or coughing or what were you doing? Clearing your throat? I was clearing. I'm a throat clearer. Yeah. I clear my, I'm, I do I that. made it quite clear I was starting the show and I heard him. <laughs> can I say something though? You sounded like you were going to start it like four times, but you didn't. So mm-hmm. I just thought you weren't. You never know when I will strike. <laughs> That's a- Oh my God. What is wrong with you? <laughs> My God, that was real. This is a mess. Uh, that was Matt Gorley sneezing his mind out. Uh, do you got the, um, y- you okay? You got oh, the sniffles? Just, I have so much COVID right now. Oh. <laughs> Let's go to in this chamber together. We're broadcasting from the sphere in Las Vegas. Yeah. Maybe it is time that we take stock of, you know, I'm the editor and I know what we all do, our own little ticks, because mm-hmm. you clear your throat. Quite a bit. You yeah, do. I do. And I hear you, it. And you oh, do okay. what you just did right now, what which is to begin a sentence with a. Yeah, you do that. I that hear is, that. Listen, I do that on purpose. I go, and that's my way of letting the sound engineer know that I'm about to speak. It's oh, a little code gosh. that we worked out. Isn't that right, Eduardo? It works. Yeah. You know what I, and guess what? Another thing. I think <laughs> that it shows a lot of uh, forethought. 
and planning on my part. Yeah. Do you know how how much work that is? I take all of those out. Why? Wow. I put those in on purpose. Wait, no. Matt has a tick too. He he does a lot of plosives. Pops, plosives. Yeah, you do. You do a lot true. of plosives, and then Eduardo has to take those exactly. out. That's probably a lie. Yeah. <laughs> and Eduardo also, uh, you just stink to high heaven. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, I mean, I don't know what it is that but comes been... through on the mic. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we were talking about our mic ticks. You have an audible you just, you got stench. Personal. That's just not cool. Uh, okay. Yeah. Let's try it all at once. Uh, okay. I will. We'll all do our personal things that we do all at once. And uh, Eduardo, you, you, yeah, put your armpit to the microphone. <laughs> And one, two, three, go. P-U. Before I begin, I go, is that right? And you you just take it out. Well, and then you'll you'll go like. All right, what if I tried not to do that anymore? That would make your life easier. Oh, boy, would it, yeah. Maybe I substitute it for something else. So (laughs) anyway, I. But see, the audience wouldn't even know that this is an issue because they're never in the final product. Same with the throat clearing. I'm going to. Oh, really? I try to clear it off mic. You do not. You make (laughs) more noise. Yes, I do. I sometimes do. I do this and then I cough in my uh, elbow. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. What do you do? Gargle with fava beans before you get on the mic? (laughs) No, I don't know why I do that. I think I talk incorrectly. Speak incorrectly. Speaking. Shut up. (laughs) I'm sorry. That was mean. Um, <laughs> that was mean? I, I think That's you're nothing. okay with that one. Yeah. <laughs> it was so just instinctive. Uh, no, I think I speak incorrectly. You're supposed to speak from your diaphragm. I'm just like up here. Well, I think. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Well, now these I, ones I don't have to take out. Which no, is you nice. can leave these in. Yeah. I'm going to keep an eye on that from now on because you work very hard uh, making sure that this product, and it is a product, goes out to people for free for some reason, uh, is of the highest quality. And you work hard removing our little ticks. God knows what the listener or fan isn't hearing. Maybe for this, the Werner Herzog episode, which I have not yet edited, I'll leave them all in and just just for a taste, just so people can see. I wouldn't do it. I think people will hate the podcast. And we might be sued by Werner Herzog. Oh. It's possible I he'll... Think he's got some of his own ticks. That... <laughs> He accused me of being quite insane <laughs> several times. He accuses everyone of being, you're enveloped in madness. I saw him yelling at a toad outside the studio. <laughs> Mr. Toad, you are enveloped by insanity and madness. <laughs> Mr. Herzog, would you like to come in? Oh, sorry. How are you, Mr. Toad? Ribbit. Uh, I am going to do the best I can to be a little more professional. Do we have buttons that we can push? Like delay buttons or like cough buttons. Cough buttons. Not, yeah. not. Why don't we currently. have those? Because I recently recorded something at SXM Studios, Sirius XM, and they had all these cool buttons that were quite helpful. And I thought, huh, these don't exist in the studio that Eduardo designed. I was told not to give you toys that you can like just push at any time. My God, that I'm a, makes so much sense. I, I'm Whoever like, made that call made the right call. I'm like a chimp in a in a capsule. I'm like a chimp in a space capsule. Oh. Uh, don't let the chimp actually. Don't let him near any controls. That's, I love that there was a conversation about it. Wait, adults had a meeting. Adults had a conversation and said there shouldn't be any buttons. Oh, that, that, push. that is great. I won't rat anybody out. Who was it? I want to know. Give me a name. I, I can't say. I bet no. it was Jeff Ross. No, was it don't Jeff Ross? say oh, it. Oh, Adam Sachs. Can neither confirm nor deny. No, that you can't make him do it. The snitches, snitches get stitches. Right. You can't make him do Not that. Not around here, they don't. Snitches get passive aggressive. <laughs> snitches blowback. get riches here. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't think it would be a problem to have those buttons. And it's not like you can go crazy with a cough button. Now, if there was a button that made a coughing sound, I'd be hitting that all the time. Or a fart button. Oh yeah. my God, I would love a fart button. Yeah. Yeah. Just hitting that. I'd be, and you know what? I'd make sure that I was waiting till like, and today we're talking to Dame Judy Dench. Now, Dame Judy Dench, you've done such an incredible, well, thank you. Why? I just, and I, I'm hitting all these sound effects buttons. And then she just says, I am never doing that podcast again. Dame Judy Dench, that got 8 million listeners. And your movie went through the roof. Then have me back instantly. I love that farting podcast. I want buttons. Get me buttons okay, at work. Get you buttons. The king demands a fart button. Yeah. Yeah. Get you a button. I want buttons. I want levers. I want all kinds of things. I want to look like Willy Wonka. You know what we should Hard get him is a bop it. Do you remember bop it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's What's that bop toy it? that has all those things. It's basically like a kid's toy, but you have to like hit it and it goes, awooga. Awooga. Ding, 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 ding. Oh my God, what a great podcast you would have if I had that thing. Yeah. yeah. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> Wait, you looked uncertain. All right, well, uh, there's no transition here. <laughs> I also need a transition. Th that would help right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, my guest today... <laughs> it's a legendary filmmaker. Oh, man. Who's made over 70 films. Including Grizzly Man and Fitzcarraldo. Now he has a new memoir entitled Every Man for Himself and God Against All. Uh, he is uh, revered. He's esteemed. He's a true artist. He should not be here. I'm excited, though, that he has joined us. Werner Herzog, welcome. Werner, you don't know who I really am. And uh, so you don't really know if you could be my friend. You don't know what kind of- Of course, and we have seen each other only once. Cameras rolling and we haven't hit the bars. We haven't been in high school together. We haven't uh, rafted down a jungle river and so on. <laughs> so. Yes, yes, yes. I understand that it's going to be harder for me to become your close friend yes, than it is it for- Yes, it won't happen in, uh, in half an hour, an hour of being together, but that's fine. Let's 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 try our best anyway. What, what about if it were to exist? Would you say five hours would do it, or are you talking it would take it, maybe uh, more than more lifetime than either of us has left? It actually has happened in my life once or twice <laughs> that I became an instantaneous friend to somebody. Oh, I played uh, in a soccer team, which was the best in Peru at the time. Yes. And I just did the um, condition training mm -hmm. with them. But all of a sudden, when they had a, the team A playing, playing against team B, there was one player missing and the coach said, you play team B. Which position would you like to play? And I said, I want to play against one of the best in the world was in that team. He was voted as one of the 11 best players in the world after the world championships. Gallardo, a speed freak. And I tried to give him problems and be an obstacle. And after 10 minutes, I didn't know which, uh, which direction we were playing. Yes. I, I didn't know which uh, jersey he we were. He completely wore. confounded you. He confounded me, bamboozled me. And I was so exhausted after 10 minutes that I crawled off the field and vomited in, in some bushes for an, an hour and a half. One guy pulls me out on my legs. 
and talks to me and he says, you did well, you played against one of the best in the world. Doesn't matter if you are defeated like that. And we were friends instantly. Oh, so it wasn't with the soccer player that you no, became no, no. friends. No, You became friends with the man who pulled you out he of the bushes of the... while vomiting. Yes, exactly. So that's a guy who you could instantaneously be friends with. But Conan O'Brien, no, not possible. <laughs> I hope that you start to vomit at some point in this interview, <laughs> no, I, and I will rescue I you. I will not. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. Yeah. Drink this. I have a little something in there. Um, well, I'm going to say something else. Uh, what do I call you? Because I have great respect for you. Do Just I call, call me Werner. Okay. First name. Is it Werner with a V? Well, we say Werner in, I, in German. Don't try. <laughs> I'm going to try Werner. <laughs> yeah, well, to, no, it, it will be too, too rough, tough. Okay, I won't do it with that. I, uh, let's, Werner, let's just, uh, yeah. let me say that I know from reading your book, which, by the way, let me just give the title of this book, Every Man for Himself and God Against All. Yeah. Thank God this isn't a children's book. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine saying, <laughs> okay, little Timmy, it's time to go to sleep. We're going to read Every Man for Himself and God Against All. Sure, yes. I don't think that boy would ever go to sleep. That's a terrifying idea. Um but I read your book and you describe yourself as a bit of a loner. Do you have a big circle of friends or it's not uh, your natural way? No, a uh, circle of real friends is small mm -hmm. and very intense. Yes. The only problem is that I live so far out and that's Los Angeles. And my friends are in Peru, they are in Germany, they are in India. Yes. They are in uh, Sicily. Mm -hmm. So it's that's is a, the hard part of it. Here's a question that just occurred to me. We now have this technology that really uh, exploded in, in yeah. uh, Zoom, and everyone is saying, "Well, it's fantastic because I can keep up my friendships with people who live far away." I have a problem with Zoom. I don't feel like I'm really communicating with the person when I'm on Zoom. It doesn't um, feel. I feel like something essential yeah. is being extracted yeah. from the interaction. Is that? Yeah, you're totally right, although I use it. But uh, I use it only with people whom I know very well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, But I have to refresh the physical contact with them. I want to embrace them directly once in a while. I want to laugh with them. I want to cook a meal for them. Yes. So, And, and then it's okay that you do one or two Zoom calls. Sometimes there are business Zoom calls, they have to be made because there is somebody involved in a project who is in Australia, somebody who is in the United Kingdom in London, and I'm in Los Angeles. So yes. it's very hard to get I them also, together. I'm trying to imagine when you would create, uh, and I was thinking about your whole body of work, which is mind-boggling. There are so many times where you've put yourself in extreme positions as a director. And I'm thinking that that you couldn't just sit still in your office and be on a Zoom. You would need to be on a raft floating down a river in Peru, battling the elements on your Zoom while everyone else was yeah. talking. Do you know what I mean? That you would, yeah. you, Werner Hartsock, would have to be, Does it, it feels like that would be the kind of Zoom you would want to have, is to put yourself way out there. No, you have to be really out there, and Zoom is belongs somewhere else. It's a, it's a different world, and you, you have to make a decision. Do you want to use it for what purposes? Yep. For example, I'm probably the last holdout who doesn't use a cell phone. 
You don't have a cell I phone. I don't have a cell phone now. But um, it's for cultural reasons. I'm not nostalgic. So I, I, I want to derive my interaction or my knowledge of, of the real world in, in direct contact with the world. The most intense would be traveling on foot, which I've done. This is a quote. You said it in your book, and it really stuck with me. Uh, the world reveals itself to those who travel on foot. Yeah. It's important to you to walk and see things in real time. It's not just real time. You are unprotected when you travel on foot, and I don't meet backpacking with your whole, whole household on your back, uh, your tent, your sleeping bag, your cooking utensil, and so on. Um, and I'm a lazy bum like everyone else. Mm -hmm. I would not uh, travel on foot unless there was an existentially important reason for it. Mm -hmm. For example, I would travel on foot when my mentor, very old woman by then, 80 years old, uh, um, Jewish who had fled Nazi Germany on the day when Hitler took power and she was in hiding in France during the Second World War and the Nazi regime. And she became my mentor and was very important. And when she was dying, I said, I'm not flying. I'm not taking the train or I'm not going by car. I will come on foot a thousand kilometers. Oh, wow. And it was early winter and snowstorms and hail and rain and whatever. And I would sleep under bridges sometimes, sometimes in the hay uh, of a barn. Or I would open a um, vacation home that was uninhabited with uh, some sort of tools, surgical tools. Without breaking a lock, I can open it and close it again and sleep in there. So and and she was out of hospital by the way when I arrived. And she uh, That's incredible. eight years later when she was eighty-eight, probably eighty-eight, because we do not know exactly how old she became, she celebrated her seventy-fifth birthday at least twice, maybe three times. <laughs> Normally women start to cheat about their age much earlier, but she had seventy five. I've been celebrating my thirty fifth and, and now she, for a long time. She summoned me eight years later she summons me to Paris and she said to me uh, just over a cup of tea uh, uh, you know uh, there's still this spell upon me that I must not die you put that spell on me and I'm old now I'm almost blind I cannot read books which is the joy of my life I cannot see movies which is the other joy of my life I'm lame I can barely walk so can you lift the spell off off of me. And I said, okay, yes, it's lifted. And eight days later, she died. And it was good. It was right. Uh, she um, had put me in a position where I had become independent and strong and self-confident yeah. and, and you just name it. That's a beautiful story. You touch on your childhood, which is not of this I mean, clearly not of this century, but it feels like your your childhood could have been 400 years ago. You yeah. grew up in such poverty. Uh, you grew up in this, I mean, you're born, as you say in the book, at this moment when fortunes are changing yeah. for the German army. Right. Uh, in North Africa, uh, uh, Rommel is about to start losing and uh, the Germans have invaded Stalingrad, which is the beginning yeah. of the end. So... But you grow up in this great tumult yeah. and terrible poverty, and you say that you weren't really aware 
that you were poor other than you were hungry a lot? Uh, yes, that's when you really know you're poor. And uh, my mother would have a loaf of bread, one loaf for my two brothers and me and her, four people. And she would make a groove for each day. And each of us had one thin slice of bread per day. Mm -hmm. But normally by Friday, when we were so hungry, we had eaten the whole loaf of, of bread. And we hoped that she would find something somewhere. But sometimes it, it was always uh, Saturday, Sunday. That was the worst uh, when there was nothing. So, and uh, I remember that very well. And uh, we were wailing and tugging at her skirt and she spun her. I remember her very well for that. She spins around, completely composed, but with an anger and despair in her face that I've never seen before after. And very calmly she says, boys, if I could cut it out of my ribs, I would cut it out of my ribs, mm -hmm. but I can't, so you shut up. And that made a big, big impression on me, of course. But... Uh, many people have grown up hungry or, or, or poor. There's nothing wrong about that. For, for children, it's, it's much easier than for, for the parents. When a mother cannot feed yeah. the children anymore, that's a real awful thing. It's interesting because I've been thinking about all of your work and uh, what comes up so often for me, and this is my interpretation, uh, and, and so much there's been so much discussion of your work, but will, there's an iron will that you have. And I'm wondering, uh, it, with these film productions, which are, you know, impossible to pull off, you're in the jungle, it's, things are collapsing, your main actor, Klaus Kinski, wants to murder you, you want to murder him. <laughs> it all sounds impossible, yeah. and yet you always keep going. And I'm and wondering, is that- you have to move a ship over a mountain. You a in Fitzcarraldo, you have to move a ship over a mountain, and you've made work about how difficult the work was. There are documentaries about how impossible the yeah. project is. And what I keep coming back to are a couple of themes, and one is will, iron will. And I'm wondering, was that something, in your opinion, is that in your soul or was in, in your genetics, or was that something that somehow was the product of having so little growing up? I think it's not a correct description to point at iron will, um, because you can dissuade me from, from my will with a real good argument. And I do the doable. I really do the doable. I knew I could move a ship over a mountain in the jungle. Okay. It can yeah. be done, and yeah. I knew I would be able to do it. Although uh, nobody believed in it anymore. And you, you become very solitary when there are 800 people around and nobody believes in it. And the next town where you can buy a torchlight battery is 800 kilometers away. So you become very solitary, but it's not, I wouldn't call it iron will. It's, it's a very, very clear vision. Yeah, okay. A very deep vision in me. And I knew moving a ship over a mountain would be a great metaphor, something like um, Moby Dick, yes, yeah. uh, uh, the white whale, something embedded very deep in our soul, in our collective soul, probably. And I can articulate it. And all of a sudden, everybody understands it. Although I, I must confess, metaphor for what I cannot explain. Well, everyone can have their own interpretation. Because it's we've all, that way, yeah. we've all, in our lives, we've all yeah. 
we've all pulled a giant ship yeah. over a mountain. Sure. With, uh, and when I say that, I mean we've all battled with something that most people thought, well, that yeah. can't be done. Yeah. I, I'm curious if when I look at your work, I think, did you have, you seem very solid the whole time, even during all this uh, insanity and chaos, you seem very solid. And I think, uh, do you have a good mask, a good poker face, or did you feel no, true um, despair? If, if there's if there's only a mask, uh, it it would get cracks and it would become visible that it's only posing. Right. You have to you have to have it in you. Yeah. So what can I say? Uh, that has it has carried me that I'm just myself mm -hmm. and essentially myself in many of the situations. It's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Okay. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, beat. I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. <laughs> well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take Sorry. it. Just take it down. I notch. didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. Uh, so I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. Way. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loudspeaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. Okay. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone <laughs> cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's <laughs> happening anymore. But guess what? 
In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on this? Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. There's another theme that you you love to explore, which is madness. It comes up again and again and again. Uh, and I was noticing it even came up in so many of your films. There's that line between someone being obsessed and are they have they gone mad? Have mm-hmm. they lost control of themselves? You've worked with people who uh, could clinically be called mad, if that's a real clinical diagnosis anymore. Um, when you did your documentary encounters at the end of the world and you're in Antarctica, I remember yeah. very clearly there's a scene where you're looking at the penguins and you start yeah. to wonder, have they gone mad? Um, and at least one. At least one. Has there one yeah. penguin gone mad? But I thought, well, Werner Herzog went all the way to Antarctica and he's looking at penguins and he's still wondering about madness. Is, is it right that that is a, that that is a, a true, uh, um. that's a theme that you like to try and mine or explore yes it's not only madness but uh, a state where we can be out or beyond ourselves like an ecstasy like uh, religious mystics in the late middle ages or it could be a penguin i asked a penguin researcher and i was told he has not spoken to anyone for 24 years so i said i will be the first one and i i tell him uh, some things that he has never heard. Why um, do, for example, species of ants uh, create colonies of slaves of some sort of lice that they milk for droplets of wa- uh, droplets of sugar? Mm-hmm. Uh, why is that? And why does a chimp not saddle the goat and ride off into the sunset of Death Valley or Monument Valley? Yeah. Why does this happen? Uh, is there insanity among animals, not only am- among people? Is there insanity among penguins? Mm-hmm. Some, because I observed a penguin that marches right into uh, the continent and it's 5,000 kilometers of uh, of ice and, yeah. and mountains. And there's no way to turn the penguin around. You can do that. And you shouldn't do it, by the way. But you can turn it around. It will immediately stubbornly march into his death into the interior of the continent, not to the water, not to the colony. So what is going on? I've been fascinated by this. Famously, it's been much discussed, but it's so riveting. You had this work dynamic uh, with the actor Klaus Kinski and 
there's something in it that I understand. I understand because uh, I've I've watched all the films. I've watched the documentaries about the making of the films. Yeah. I've seen him completely lose control. Uh, I've seen in in real time uh, people who are working on the film plotting yeah. to kill Kinski, uh, Kinski plotting to and threatening to kill you. You plotting to kill <laughs> Kinski, and I, I swear to you that what I'm saying is true right now. Yeah. I've worked in comedy for you know 40 years, and for 30 of those yeah. years, I worked many times out in the field making comedy yeah. under duress in strange conditions. Yeah. And I've wanted to kill people that I've worked with. One of them's here. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> but I've, yeah. no, I, but I've, I've been, I've gotten to an altered state at times. I've been hungry and cold and we've needed to get this shot. And a lot of what I do is uh, somewhat yeah. improvisational and I need to improvise something and make something happen. Yeah. And I've- You have to deliver. And I, I have to deliver something. And I do think there are times when I've gone, I've gone to another state. Uh, and I'm thinking specifically of an episode I did where we were shooting in Italy and it was late in the day and we were exhausted and yeah. suddenly we had to shoot a thing where we were hunting for truffles and I just, I started to, I started to lose it. And I think I lost my mind during the truffle hunt and started hopping around like a rabbit. Now, anyone watching it might think, uh, I don't know what's happening with Conan or maybe he's just doing this because he mm -hmm. thinks it's funny. No, I really did lose, lose it and have this kind of madness but I also understand I'm kind of in love with it. I, there's, mm -hmm. there's a part of me that is attracted to it. And of course, what you are doing, multiply that by a thousand, your work with Kinski. But when you say afterwards, no, we were brothers, you th to most people that would seem impossible that this man could be screaming at you and abusing you and you screaming back at him. But no, I understand it. I understand how you right. can go through that with someone, but yeah. also cherish that bond. Does that... It's hard to describe it, and in my book I describe quite yeah. a bit of, about it. Um, number one, there is a side to all this which is hilarious. Uh, number two, I've never lost it. I cannot remember that I ever lost it. I've always been the calmest of calm in such situations. Yes, that's right. You don't would, lose it, yeah. He would scream at the at the native uh, people in the in the rainforest, and they would huddle, sit down, because they they solve their conflicts very quietly, whispering in whispering voices. And they came afterwards to me, and uh, one of their chiefs said to me, "You know, um, we were afraid, but don't you believe we were afraid of this screaming madman? They were afraid of me because I was so quiet." Ah, okay. And I, I really meant business. And in, in moments of real confrontation, Kinski understood when I explained to him things very, very calmly, this is impermissible. This cannot be done. What you are trying, there's a task that is beyond the two of us. We have to stick to it or else. And he would know that this or else would mean he would be a dead man within 30 seconds flat. I didn't have to spell it out. You just did, though. Yeah, that's and, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's good. That you're doing it now. Let's, you're no, doing it now. <laughs> let's, no, let's let's yeah. put it let's put it simply. Yeah. Um, you have to you have to have it in you to uh, stop at a certain yes. moment yes. and and to understand. Yes, you do not do this. You're not going to kill each other. 
it's a beautiful script yes which is outside of the movie and uh, the script is not going to happen otherwise you end up on death row and i have made nine films on death row and i know that every single one on death row that i met men and women were only a step away from what i am or what almost all of us are yeah that's true very human human beings it's interesting cuz there's this new movement that's being discussed lately and it was written about the other day i think in the new york times which said if you when dealing with someone who's out of control yeah. or psychotic they say become a gray rock become bland and very very sort of almost disinterested and they say it's the best way to treat them so had you screamed back at kinsky no no and no, no. and and entertained and tried to meet him scream for scream no. the whole thing would have blown up by staying yeah almost inert no. as you did no uh, we had a plane crash and only garbled messages in our camp we didn't know exactly where was it how many people can we was this a plane uh, that was coming to this film shoot to our film sh yeah. uh, to our set uh, transporting extras and um, i tried to make sense what it what it was in kinski at that morning we served uh, coffee uh, in all the huts and his he was the last one because we uh, altered uh, the the line of who would be first or last his coffee was lukewarm he he just lost it over it and he kept yelling and screaming for an hour and a half foam at his mouth i mean literally i'm not exaggerating screaming at the top of his lung that close to my face that close and i tried to explain klaus there's a plane down we need to understand what the radio the garbled radio is transmitting to us so and finally i couldn't get rid of him i went to my hut i had one little piece of chocolate very good chocolate left and i stood right in his face and ate the chocolate <laughs> that was too much for him because chocolate was the most valuable item in the camp yes and i ate my last piece of chocolate and he he just fell silent and yes. withdrew yeah yes it's like you, you you can't you shut down the computer it just went to the apple it went to the apple logo yeah, he, there's yeah. nothing he could do at that yeah, moment yeah I, uh, I, 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 it's fascinating because you've done this very intense and, and, uh, beloved work and you explore these intense themes, but because of your fame and notoriety, you're also being asked, uh, to do these other side projects, which, um, are very popular in popular mm -hmm. culture. You've been, uh, a guest on the Simpsons. Yes. Uh, um, more than once. Uh, Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Yeah, You're in the Mandalorian. Uh, Jack yes, uh, Jack Reacher. Parks and Recreation. Yeah. And I'm curious where you've, <laughs> how you uh, reconcile, because it's such a chasm between uh, being in Peru, um, your life threatened by a madman trying to make this magnum opus, and then you're on the set of mm -hmm. The Simpsons, or you're yeah. with uh, Baby Yoda on The Mandalorian. Wait, what yeah. is is it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. It must be quite fascinating to imagine the trips you've taken in your life. Sure, yes, and it's. I do not want to miss any of that because 
I found the Simpsons very fascinating, intelligent, and, and a lot of anarchy in it. Mm -hmm. And when I was invited to speak a role, I immediately said, do they speak? I cannot believe that. I thought there were only like comic strips printed in newspapers. I had never seen it. And I think Matt Groening, who started it, he mm -hmm. said to me, don't, don't you know, since 24 years, we are on, on uh, TV station. One of the most speak. popular TV shows of all time and around I the did, world. I did not know that, that it existed. <laughs> so I, 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 asked, I asked for a DVD to show me a little bit so that I could see how or hear how cartoonish the voices would be. Yeah. They actually sent a few of them to me and, and they said, you don't need to be cartoonish. Just speak with your accent. It's wild enough. Yes. <laughs> wild enough for us. So and I, I acknowledged, yes. And I really, really enjoyed it. Did and you I'm work? Good I... at, I'm good at that. And, and in Jack Reacher, I, uh, they're bad guys. They open fire. They have huge assault rifles. They swear. They shout. They yell at you. They have fist fights. I'm the epicenter of, uh, of, of evil. I have very few fingers left. I ate them in a gulag to avoid being sent to a, to a, uh, a lead mine and lose my life there. And I'm blind in, <laughs> I have one, one blind eye uh -huh. and I only have my voice to spread terror and a calm voice. And one of the villains, uh, the sub-villain, who made a mistake, I tell him you can get away with it. If you are really determined not to do that again, you have to eat your fingers as I do it, as I did it. Yeah. And he tries and tries, and I very calmly encourage him. I say, that was that was already good. You, I know you can do it. Just try harder. <laughs> and, and it's so frightening that uh, <laughs> when um, the film was out, uh, Friends of my wife in Paris, they called her and they said, Lena, are you married to that man? <laughs> you, know, you know, we are only one night flight away from you. We can give you shelter. <laughs> so I, I knew I was good. <laughs> and that's, that's my, best, my best reward. The Mandalorian, there's so much secrecy around that yeah. shoot. What was that experience like for you? Well, Secrecy went so far that uh, I had to sign a contract for a film, Huckleberry Finn, not Mandalorian. They misnamed and it, you yeah. had your costumes, you couldn't leave the studio unless you put a big tunic all over you and you were not allowed to speak about what was going on inside. So I understand that uh, because it's such a worldwide phenomenon and uh, fans were lurking outside the hedges with their with their little cameras and trying to uh, snap a few photos. So, um, but but the experience was was very uh, very interesting because John Favreau, who is a, a mastermind behind all this, he invited me. I was always invited. I never competed for any part. Mm -hmm. I never was in any audition, and he apparently loves my films and loves my writings. And he wanted uh, to make me as a person visible for a larger audience in the world. That's a guy who did all these things. And you see, we, we are speaking about my films and my acting, mm -hmm. but um, 
equally important, I think, is writing. From yeah. the very, very beginning, I've been a writer. And I started out writing when when I was 15, 16, and I published my first books uh, decades ago in the early 70s. And they are still constantly being reprinted, reprinted. And uh, I keep saying, and it's basically to deaf ears, and it will fall on deaf ears, ears here as well. But time is on my side. I keep saying um, the written things, my books, my prose, my poetry, with all probability will have a longer life than my films. I will be remembered for my writings. Not so much for my films. You write beautifully. Yeah. Uh, you you are you are a terrific uh, and disciplined writer, and your writing is very lyrical. And I think that that can travel through all kinds of changes yeah. in how people experience entertainment, probably more safely and durably than yeah. maybe film can. So I think yeah. that's possible. Books are more durable than movies. It's a strange thing, but it, it's it's a fact. You can you can see it. And uh, I've always loved to write poetry and to, you see, when you look at my memoirs, people are looking for, let's say, content. What did he do in this uh, period of his life? It's not, I'm not like, it's not an encyclopedia of my life. It's memoirs and, and it's prose. It's very, very intense writing. I write, for example, all of a sudden in this book, uh, Every Man for Himself in God Against All, I uh, insert five ballads of the little soldier. Mm -hmm. uh, I was once in uh, Nicaragua, Honduras with uh, child soldiers between eight and 11. And I mean, tragic, tragic. And this is eight and 11 intense, year olds with weapons. With weapons and in warfare. Uh. And uh, some of them whom I filmed were dead three weeks later, mm. and I still have them on film. An eight-year-old boy, angelic-looking, and with a catastrophic, tragic uh, life behind him where his parents were killed in front of his eyes, and he decided to become a, a, a soldier, a warrior. But um, and, and all of a sudden, there are five ballads of the little soldier. Mm -hmm. I insert uh, diaries when I traveled on foot around Germany. I followed once all the sinuations of the German border uh, to hold the country together when it was not united yet. I said to myself, politics has given up. So it's only the poets who can hold it together. Mm -hmm. And I traveled on foot around my own country and I'm riding while I'm walking in some of the most beautiful, intense prose that I ever wrote was on that traveling on foot or um, off walking in ice when I traveled on foot from Munich to Paris, when, when things were, were essentially, essentially somehow reduced to, to a pilgrimage, to a, to a big quest, not the joy of walking. Of course, I also enjoyed it. I knew, I knew that, uh, uh, and I'm not uh, superstitious, but I knew when I arrived on foot, Lotte Eisner would be out of hospital and she would live. Mm -hmm. And she actually did. And she believed it was because you put a spell on her. No, she said that jokingly years later, just before she Oh, I really thought you died. had that ability and I was going to yeah. ask for it before you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, please, before you go, one more thing. Yeah. I'd like to live to 98. 
Um, and then I'll ask to see you again. Because uh, <laughs> that's going to be, I'll be in a lot of pain. I've, there was a revelation in the book that I found interesting because you're such a thoughtful person. I don't think your mind ever shuts off. You don't believe in therapy. I'm very cautious about it because it hasn't done no good to no one. I can, I think it's one of the monumental mistakes of the 20th century, among many others. Uh, the the big uh, social utopias, communism, uh, fascism have led to incredible disasters, overpopulation of our planet, and you just name it, destruction of what uh, what what nature is. All all of that started really in the 20th century. And one of the things that are uh, one of the great mistakes of the 20th century is psychoanalysis. Of course, it started some decades earlier, but it really blossomed in the 20th century. And uh, I, I do believe that the 20th century in its entirety was a mistake. And going back to um, psychoanalysis, I can give you a, a parable. When you move into a new home and you illuminate this home to its very last uh, recesses and corners with neon lights, everything is illuminated. This house becomes uninhabitable and human beings uh, illuminated to the darkest um, corners of their soul become uninhabitable, I say it in quotes now. And um, you should be careful what you do. Of course, there are clinical clinical cases and you, you better do it. But um, this mass phenomenon... Yep. To think that everything uh, in your inner balance and in your soul and in your uh, emotionality and so will be solved by psychoanalysis, I do not think it is uh, a good approach. I, it's funny because I think it's it, it's a byproduct of this obsession. And you live in Los Angeles, so you see this now. In the 21st century in Los Angeles, there's just this obsession with, I want to eat all the perfect foods I want to make sure yeah. that I get all the perfect treatments. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to achieve this perfect state uh, of yeah. balance. Yo and yoga classes for five years old, five year olds. Well, they bend so easily. Yeah, yeah, too. <laughs> yeah. but 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 I'm the great defender of Los Angeles. Everybody, yeah. oh uh, no, chuckles I, and, and says, I, I love yeah. Los Angeles you too. Think, you think, yeah, the glitz and glamour of Los Angeles, but. Everything in the that in the last half century um, somehow set the pace in the thinking and the trends of the world, without I mean being completely trendy, originated here. Yeah. The internet was born here. The internet, and I've seen the place where the first contact was made uh, with routers in service. Uh, reusable rockets are being built in in the perimeters. Of the city itself, I mean, a southern outskirt, mm -hmm. but southern part of it. Um, very, all the great painters are. I here. think the art scene here is the art scene. Very impressive. They are not yeah. in New York anymore. That was early fifties or so. Uh, now they are here. The writers, the mathematicians, uh, also the, of course, the stupidities, crazy sects. Inline, uh, no, inline skating is fine, but. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> no, You're I, listening to Werner Herzog's list of what's in and what's out, what's hot and what's no, cold. I, I actually am very much beloved by skateboarders. Oh, good. Yeah. There's a community of skateboarders. It's good to have them on your out. side. Yeah. Yes, and they're on my side and I'm on theirs because the futility and the insistence. Try it again, try it again, try it again. You will do this jump uh, up onto the ray, uh, onto the railing of. No, don't of do this. that. Now I am too old for that, and yeah. and I've done ski jumping and ski flying, and almost almost died in doing that. But anyway, you you do you do the wild stuff when you are young, but uh, <clears throat> the, the the crazy things also come from here, um, originated here, and they. They have a worldwide repercussions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it happens, and uh, there's no other city. Like, does it happen in in Chicago or in London or in Florence or in Mumbai or in Buenos mm-hmm. Aires? No, it's Los Angeles. The- it's wonderful to live in a city where all these things are happening. All these things are happening. It's a very vibrant community. I guess yes. what I was, what I was, uh, you love to participate. You love to know what's going on. So you do watch some things that maybe your typical person might think Werner Herzog doesn't view. You watch the Kardashians. Um, very, very few, but I do watch. Uh, I do watch uh, some it. trash TV, <laughs> uh, like let's say WrestleMania, and there Hell was yeah. Uh, Hell yeah. Uh, and, no, so, like her, no, no, hurts up. Enough about madness. Yes, no. let's talk about wrestling. No, it's, no, but it's it's very interesting because it's a very crude form of of drama has emerged, and it's it's a drama that are not in the fight itself. The fights are interrupted by commercials, meaning they're not in, that important. But the owner of the franchise shows up in the in the. Uh, ring uh his wife alleged wife in a wheelchair and blind and he has three uh, three sexy women in his arm and and rants against his wife in the wheelchair and all of a sudden you have a form of of uh drama going on a new form emerging apparently probably as crude as ancient Greek drama mm-hmm. uh, started out in the 5th century before Christ. Mm-hmm. So I, I watch it for number one. Uh, I think the the poet must not close his eyes, avert his eyes. You have to know in which world you are living. You See everything. Know, yes. Yeah. And, and, I, uh, and I have nothing against, uh, uh, let's say, once in a while, it isn't on the air anymore. Here comes Honey Boo Boo. For example. <laughs> no, but it's... Yeah. That's my favorite. The way you said it yeah. uh, is yeah. going to be a... That'll be a meme where that's... No, no but, but, uh, but very, very fascinating. <laughs> yeah. There's something, something deep about, uh, about society in it. Deep about something deep about the American tree, dream that goes awry somehow, um, and I I can see how the American dream is function functioning because I've been uh, in the heartland of America. Mm-hmm. I have worked in Wisconsin. I've worked in Louisiana. I've worked in uh, uh, North Carolina. 
Mm -hmm. uh, I've lived in Pittsburgh with a guest family who picked me up from the street when I was homeless. Without hesitation, I was part of the best that America can, can give you. And um, I think much of the political chasm between left and right is due to the neglect of the, of, uh, the center, the heartland of America. Uh, people uh, say, ah, yeah, they're the flyovers, but they live in Boston or in Seattle or in Los Angeles and, yeah. and New York. And I ask, have you ever been in Wisconsin? No, but I have worked there. So, and, and I find it, I find it an outrage that the, some of the best of America, very good people living there, of course, underrepresented in the media, um, with much less accent, yes. access to education, uh, underpaid, uh, without that open access to um, to the American dream, and and this is why you have such conflicts now. Yes, I say why why don't you contact your old school buddies, uh, tell them what you are doing, and and be interested in what they are doing. Uh, what are they thinking? What are they doing? Put them on your, on your radar. Let them know they are around there and you like them and you like Arkansas and you like Wisconsin. And do they do it? No. Unfortunately, <laughs> too, very few, no. You are very prolific in your, with your film work, your writing. What's the plan now? What are you, what, 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 what's in the next couple of years? Uh, well... I've written a screenplay for a story that's long in me, and I describe it in my memoirs. It's called Bucking Fastard. <laughs> <clears throat> and, uh, it's a great title. A, a slip of tongue, yeah. yeah. And it's about twin sisters, um, identical twins who spoke in unison. And we have had twins. We, we know sometimes they develop their own secretive language. But these twins, unique, we have never seen or heard of anyone else and I was in very close contact with them. They spoke in unison. When they opened the door and they said, ah, please come in and do you want to have a cup of tea? That can be ritualized and rehearsed. But they would answer a question that they could not expect in unison. There was a court case, um, some a truck driver, an ugly purple-faced truck driver had uh, uh, an, a restraining order against them. And in court, they were allowed to uh, testify in the witness stand together. Oh, my God. But it's an iron principle. If you are in court, you, Conan, uh, will testify and then the next your person. sibling yeah. will testify and then the next person. There was an exception. They spoke in unison because they, they would be terrified and would unravel and, uh, and start shouting and so and And across the courtroom, they shouted to the truck driver, he's lying. Uh, every word he's saying is a lie. He's lying under oath. And then simultaneously, the bucking fastard is, is lying. So they both the same, made the same mistake at the same, same time. Same slip of tongue in wow. the same moment, even that. I need to reveal that Sona has twins. Yeah. She's shown us uh, video, the cameras of them communicating with each other before they could really talk. Yes. And they are having full on, it, it's nonsense to us, but you understand it is a full on. They're having a full conversation. I don't understand yeah. a word of it. It's 
fascinating to yeah. watch. But it's a separate language. They do not speak in unison. No, and they do they not don't. make up. I, I said, uh, hey, uh, girls. I said, I said, girls, even though they were not girls anymore, just they were in their early 40s or late 30s. I said to them, uh, let's go out to a restaurant. They said, and they whispered to each other, making up, but they whispered in unison. And they said, oh, no, a restaurant, and there are these waiters in tuxedos. And so I said, no, no, let's go to a fish and chip place around the corner. They speak in, in unison to each other. And then they said, yeah, let's do it. So, so when is this coming out? There's only a screenplay. It's not financed yet. It's not shot I'll give, yet. I'll give you the money. It's, uh, would, that would be nice, but... Uh, oh, you doubt I have it, do you? Well, yeah. I have tens of thousands of dollars. <laughs> so I, I think about your... The famous story about you is that you stole your first camera. Yeah. You didn't have a camera and you stole it. And I actually, I love this line from the book. You, you say, I refuse to think of it as stealing. You said, I was exercising a natural right to put the camera to its intended use. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that is such a fantastic uh, uh, rationalization, <laughs> but also yeah. it makes perfect sense. But you had so many limits and I wonder, uh, Werner Herzog, if you went into a black hole and you appeared today as a young man, your early 20s, and you have yeah. iPhones yes. and you have computers that can, uh, laptops that can yes. edit, uh, how different uh, are the films? Are they completely different films? My, or are you my telling films them... wouldn't be different. Yeah. No, I don't think so. It's, it doesn't matter if I shoot it on celluloid. When I started, it was 35 millimeter celluloid, very clumsy expensive, uh, took a long time to make a film much longer than today. And yet, um, with the clear vision that I had, mm -hmm. I've done one film after the other. I've done, I, I don't know, over 70 films by now. Yeah. And I've published at least 10 books and I have acted in at least 20 films and I've staged operas. So it wouldn't look different mm -hmm. because writing a book, whether you write it on a laptop or in longhand, doesn't make any right. difference right. at all. Uh, this has been a, a wonderful treat. I have spoken to you before. Yes, but I do I, remember. I, I do. Thank you for remembering. Um, I do love this format because in the other format, I could talk to you for seven, eight minutes about Grizzly Man or yeah. nine minutes. And then uh, thank you very much. Werner Herzog and the band plays. And there and, had to be a commercial. Yeah. And and this uh, this format enables me to have the kind of conversation with you yeah. that I've always wanted to have. So it's a, I, it's a I gift. I had the feeling when I walked in here uh, and I knew this is your new home now and you've created it for yourself. Uh, I would have advised you at that time in conflict with, was it NBC or mm -hmm. what, what was the station? Oh, who can remember? Yeah, NBC. What, yeah. Whatever it was, yeah. Buy the station. <laughs> Buy the station and, and fire, fire them all. Yeah, and yeah. And you take over I, and you I have... Didn't, I didn't quite have that money at the time. A, a, a uh, 60 minute segment. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I'll be hitting you up for yeah, financing. But you uh, will out-talk them. You will out-number them. Yeah. You will out... Uh, out brilliant them, you well, will nice. outshine them, and you will out 
out-talk them, you have the gift of gab. Uh, you know, that's, so, the funny thing is if you just, uh, if you love the work, you're okay. So it doesn't matter what the platform sure. is. If you love the work, and that's what I, what's so inspirational about you is you were not raised with a silver spoon in your mouth. You weren't sent to you know USC film school at a young age and given a posh internship. There's no reason why you should be a prolific, amazing filmmaker. You, had, you didn't see a film till relatively late yeah. in your childhood. I and didn't know it. You didn't know cinema existed. existed. Yeah. And yet uh, it was in you and yeah. here we are. And so I, I think if you're doing the work and you have things to say and you have things that you need to say, um, the rest will take care of itself. I believe that. That sounds very encouraging. And I will walk out here 10 pounds lighter. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, absolute joy, Werner Herzog. Thank you so much. Thank and you. the book, I just want to say, this is a fantastic, lovely book, Every Man for Himself and God Against All, a memoir, and a very special memoir, because you're right, it is not just recounting what happened, A, B, C, D, E. It's a fantastic story, but also beautiful and poetic and uh, worthy of your time. So thank you, sir. Thank you. You know, Scotty's cares about the environment and has strong values they stand behind. Plus, Scotty's facial tissues are super soft, strong and absorbent and easy on the wallet. Whether you've got allergies or just a case of the sniffles, stock up on Scotty's facial tissues so you can stop wiping your nose on your sleeve. Isn't that disgusting when people do that, Sona? I just don't like that. No, I don't like it either. I like I like to wipe my nose on your sleeve, oh, but that's... not my sleeve. Yeah. Well, my sleeve is made of Scotty's tissue, so that's... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. That's a very cool fashion statement. <laughs> hey, and stop offering guests toilet paper to blow their nose into. That's disgusting. Hand them a Scotty's facial tissue instead. You can find Scotty's facial tissues that come in beautiful box designs. Put one in every room. Why not make your guest feel like a king or queen? Hmm. If someone offers me a tissue, sometimes people say to me, Conan, would you like a tissue? I say, is it Scotty's? And if it's not, I just swat it away. Oh, okay. Scotty's is better at what counts. For more information, visit scottysfacial.com. You know, it's only a matter of time until your check engine light comes on, which could equal an expensive repair bill, and a new engine can cost up to $6,000. Don't I know it. But this is why you need this product I'm about to mention right now. Okay. CarShield. Mm. CarShield offers plans with low monthly rates that you can pay for your expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. It's so nice to have that protection of CarShield. I know. I believe. That's my belief. Some people have other beliefs, maybe religious beliefs. I think CarShield. CarShield plans provide protection on up to 5,000 major parts and systems, including items like transmission, mm. engine, even your entertainment system. Mm. Just call CarShield and choose the mechanic to do the work. CarShield administrators will handle the rest and save you money. Look, I saw your car today. You've got a beautiful car, but you've got to haul your family around in this yeah. car. This is a vital piece of machinery for you. You need Car Shield. I do. And you know, I you know I don't take care of my cars very well. So Car Shield it would definitely come in. 
You know, and also with their A rating from the BBB, don't ask me, CarShield is the name you can trust to save you money on covered auto repairs. Now's the time to make the smart choice and protect yourself from the sky-high auto repair bills. Visit carshield.com slash Conan. Save 20% today. Again, that's carshield.com slash Conan to save 20%. Visit carshield.com slash Conan to lock in your price today. You know, recently we did a segment about a new voicemail number, and uh, people could call in and leave a voicemail, and maybe we could answer the questions, and it worked. We've got some voicemails. Oh, good. New yeah. voicemails. I love to hear the Vox Populi. Mm. Mm. Uh, voice of the people. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sarah, I know you're new here. Very excited to hear what they have to say. Hit it, Eduardo. Hey, Conan. Uh, I am a high school U.S. history teacher, and I have to teach high school juniors um, about Abraham Lincoln sometime around November, December. You know, I know you're a big Lincoln and Civil War buff, and so I thought, you know, surely you can make a great connection to the TikTok generation or whatever they call themselves and help me find a way to just really hammer home the historical importance of the Civil War and Abraham Lincoln. So if you could help me out, that'd be great. And also, that truly was the worst outgoing voicemail message of all time. I loved it. Thanks. (laughs) Is it me? It's all of us. Oh. I don't remember what the outgoing voicemail message was, but it was my apologies. Ca- kind of coaching Sona on how to do it. Yeah. Oh. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, this is a huge responsibility. You can, you're up to it. No, no. Uh, to no, explain the significance of, of President Abraham Lincoln and to explain the Civil War to these students uh, in what? And what length of time? That's, I'll give you three minutes. Oh, that's insane. Look, kids, put down your iPhones. Oh, you lost him already. <laughs> you did. You lost him already. Just Photoshop his head onto a, a dancing TikTok person. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Photoshop uh, whatever you just said. Um, now, what's that? Help me, Sona. How would I communicate well, with I'm the gonna, TikTok is, generation? I'm beyond this generation. I don't know. I have no idea. You have a really good way of connecting with people. Right. But they're and not... it's something you like. Right. Uh, Civil War. Uh, crazy, crazy carnage. Yes. I mean, aren't kids into that? Mm-hmm. I mean, just insane. You know how many people die in, if you added up all the John Wick movies? Yes. <laughs> multiply that this by like 100,000. Okay, yes. good. Yeah. yeah, imagine just, uh, uh, just, there's a whole bunch of John Wicks in the South and there's a whole bunch of John Wicks in the North uh-huh. and they just go towards each other. Good, good. The ones in the North are wearing blue suits and the ones uh, in the South are wearing gray suits and they just go at it. And then um, there's this guy, who's the guy who runs the hotel? Oh, Ian McShane? Ian McShane, but what's his character's name in the I John Wick know. movies? I, I forget. I have no idea. We'll Hotel's come up with it. The Continental. Yeah, yeah, the hotel is called the Continental. Well, in this, the Continental Hotel is the White House, okay? That's run by Winston. So Abraham Lincoln was a British guy played by Ian McShane. Oh, and, uh, okay. Yeah, and he's the one that's good. sort of watching in the background and really not doing anything, just sort of sipping. Oh, you uh, said Abraham Lincoln's not doing he's anything? Not, he's just sitting around watching the, uh, these armies, these uh-huh. massive armies of John Wicks fight each other and going, mm, and so it begins. Yeah. <laughs> ah, yes, and now it has begun. And just keeps, and, and seems pretty ineffectual and doesn't really do much at all. Uh Unfortunately, that's Lincoln, except he did do stuff 
wrote amazing speeches, Gettysburg Address. No, they're uh, boring. You're losing them. Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, Civil War was started by the killing of a dog. What happens is the South killed our dog. Okay. Yes. And um, then the South called its dad and said, don't worry, it's just some asshole. I just killed his dog. And he went, what? Yeah. You killed the North's dog? And then uh, the, all the John Wicks from the North came after the John Wicks from the South. <laughs> And look, I'm going to get a lot of mail from people in the South saying, no, they killed our dog. And it's like, no, no, no. I just had, I'm from Boston, so fuck you. Anyway, all these John Wicks are fighting each other, and it's absolutely insane, and it goes on for four years, and you name it, Antietam, Cold Harbor. Uh, You're losing you know, them. You're losing yeah. them. Uh, oh, 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 oh. The, the They're steps fighting in Japan. In, just steps in Japan. They're fighting, uh, you know, uh, oh, at, near, around the Arc de Triomphe. And when there's yeah. no door on the car, oh, and yes. John yeah. Wick's leaning out and he's firing, it's so fucking cool. Uh, that and Lawrence one, Fishburne's oh, there. Yeah, and Lawrence Fishburne's there, and that's a little bull run. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and the uh, car. Yeah, and then wow, oh man! And then every now and then Abraham Lincoln thinks about his wife who passed away a long time ago, and he's really sad. Oh, yeah, and he thinks about that, and that's Mary Todd Lincoln. Yeah. Yeah. Although she she didn't pass away in real life, she. she lived and she was crazy batshit crazy <laughs> yeah and uh spent a lot of money and really lost it all the time yeah, she's so hot yeah, yeah. so hot yeah. yeah but anyway uh, that's what happened it's just incredible you gotta you gotta check this out a john wick that lasts four years yeah check it out motherfuckers <laughs> conan o'brien needs a friend with conan o'brien sonam obsession and matt gorley produced by me matt gorley Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Nick Liao, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Eduardo Perez. Additional production support by Mars Melnick. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 669-587-2847 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Is there such a thing as a traveler? Not a Delta. Because we know on one flight, Mike N8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. While on the flight after, 8C is occupied by Jen, whose favorite snack is tea. That's why we provide fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi available for SkyMiles members. Because at Delta, we know. Refill? Everyone flies their own way. Delta. Keep climbing. Free Wi-Fi available on most domestic flights. Terms of use apply. It's okay if you aren't ready for kids right now. It's okay if you don't want to be a mom now or even ever. It's nobody's decision but yours. But do you know what's not okay? Not knowing how effective your birth control is. Talk to your doctor about effective birth control options so you can make an informed decision. Tap to learn more 